0: You are listening to the Life in Paradise
1: podcast with your host, Brandon Harper. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Life in Paradise podcast. With me, your host, Brandon Harper. Today's Monday, December 26, 2022, the day after Christmas, five days before New Year's Eve. And man, we had a bad freeze come through here. We're not used to these big freezes. No pipes bursted Everything was wrapped up and dripping And I was out of town and I got back to find No flooding So I was happy about that But you didn't come here To hear me talk about pipes bursting and flooding You came here to hear my opinions I'm just a regular dude with a regular job And lots and lots of opinions I come here about once every week or so To get them off my chest Some you'll agree with And others you won't And I'm perfectly okay with that the world would be a boring place if we all had the same opinions, and the world would be a better place if we can all learn to disagree without being disagreeable. Every now and then I mess up in my intros, and if there's one thing you'll know about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros. I will warn you that I'm feeling a little bit grumpy today, and hopefully you won't know the difference, but you know, sometimes when you leave town and you come back and Your life's kind of all out of order and your laundry schedule's off and nothing's the same and you, you know, you just got to get back in the groove. That's kind of how I'm feeling today. But I'm starting to figure out that as I get older, I don't like traveling as much. And I might touch on that a little bit later. That's not part of the intro. And I find it impossible to keep my intro shorter than a minute. See, we're already at two minutes and I'm already rambling. All right, that's it. Enough with the intro. Sit back, relax, and let me light the candle for about the next 30 to 45 minutes. Man, it always feels so good to come back home. You know, I, I watch some of these YouTube videos of these guys who just travel all over the world and they they make YouTube videos, they interview families, they talk about food and different cultures. And I think it's so cool. It's awesome that they do that. And there was a big part of me that kind of dreamt of doing that. But now I kind of I kind of really appreciate having a home, having a place to go to that's mine, it's my bed, my refrigerator. And maybe there's something to be said, you know, maybe life's a lot easier when you don't have to keep up with things like bills and electricity staying on and taking out the trash. But I kind of think for the most part, we're wired to live by a routine. Even the people who don't have routines still have routines, right? Because they they still wake up every morning, they still go to bed at night, and they still have to do things. You still have to shop for groceries and find places to stay and even if the details of those things are different all the time there's still a routine by which you follow to complete those tasks. I know dogs they dogs thrive in a routine. I noticed that this weekend with Gypsy. Uh, She's a six-year-old Malinois and I pretty much take her with me everywhere I go everywhere I can and you know we're out of our routines we're staying in an unfamiliar place she doesn't have her water in the same spot that she normally does and I can just tell she's more antsy. Uh, They, you know, walk around, pace, pant a little bit. And not that it's hard for them. they, They can fall into the groove pretty quickly. But when we're home, you know, we're pretty much doing the same thing at the same time every day. And so dogs just thrive on that structure. Most dogs that are in homes of people that work, you know, hours who change, they work nights and then days, and it never stays consistent. Those dogs have a hard time settling down being calm, sleeping at a normal schedule because they, they don't have the routine. I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling now. But I think humans are kind of the same way. I think it takes routine for people to achieve success. Now, I know, I know, everyone defines success differently. But if we're going to define success as career advancement, gaining net worth, owning the things you have in your possession, if we're going to define that as success, you'll typically see that people who, who achieve success by that definition have very structured lives. So I don't know. It's, it's different for everyone. It's not, I'm not saying it's good or bad for everyone, but for me, it feels good to have a structure. I also have gotten this weird habit of, of, of liking to take the decisions out of my life that don't matter, and I don't know why I'm even talking about this because it's not in my notes, but I'll go ahead and fill you in. You know, I don't like having to decide what clothes to wear. I don't like having to pick out which pair of underwear to wear or which pair of socks to wear. I don't like to have my favorite socks, my least favorite socks. So I've got, everything's the same. All my underwear is the same. All my socks are the same brand, same color. I pretty much wear one of two shirts, either an embroidered fishing shirt that's got our company logo on it or a black polo t-shirt and that's it and ever since i kind of made this transition it's made things just a little bit simpler and it, it sometimes it can backfire whenever i'm supposed to go somewhere like out of town and i wear my black polo t-shirts and it looks like i'm wearing the same shirt every day but i'm not i have a lot of them they're all clean but yeah i don't know it's um it's something i picked up from a guy that i listened to on the radio whose name is Bobby Bones and um he's gone from essentially trailer park dweller to fly around in a private jet because of his work ethic. And so I figured I'd give it a whirl, and it, um, it has definitely simplified things. I like it. It's been nice. Okay, now we shall move on to the real show. We will, we will leave the department called Brandon's Ramblings from deep inside of his little walnut brain to going off the notes that he has acquired in his phone throughout the week.
0: I've been fighting acquisitions after acquisitions. I've been witch hunt since day one.
1: D.D. Slaughter, ladies and gentlemen, D.D. Slaughter. Another elected official for us to be proud of. Speaking of elected officials, oh, Governor Greg Grabbit, my least favorite Texas governor of all time, recently busted. a bunch of illegal immigrants back up to Washington, D.C. and dropped them off in front of Kamala Harris' house. Now, unlike a lot of quote-unquote Republicans, this, this isn't all that big of a deal to me. You know, people love to say, oh, man, he just dropped them all up there and just kicked them off the bus and we'll show her. I mean, I don't know. It's a publicity stunt. I get it. But we have bigger fish to fry. Uh, This doesn't really solve any problems. It just creates division. And we'll see if it actually uh, inspires change or, or creates some sort of policy to change what's happening. I don't think it will. I just think it's fuel for the fire. Everyone wins when everyone argues. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone but us peons, right? The media wins. The politicians win. The social media wins. Everyone wins except for us. We want to kill each other. And so it's just another thing that, you know, it is what it is. Hopefully it'll make some heads turn. If not, well, good job. You just threw fuel on the fire and we're that much closer to splitting the country in two. But I got to thinking about, you know, why is it that that people want to come here? Why do they want to come to the U.S.? Lots of people will talk about how messed up the U.S. is and how bad America is and that America doesn't do nothing right and everything's wrong and we should be more like Norway. It's because America provides opportunity to these people. And so if you read a bunch of these quote-unquote studies that people publish, they love to talk about, oh, which countries are the happiest countries? Norway, Sweden, Denmark, all of the Nordic countries are the happiest. We, we did a study and we measured happiness. And to me, that's retarded. It's silly to try to measure happiness. You can't, you can't put a score on it because, remember, to measure something or to conduct an experiment, you got to have a control and a variable. So the right way to go about doing it would say, okay, go spend 10 years in Norway, go spend 10 years in USA, and then you decide which one you think is better. Until then, the only other way we can do it is by looking at how many people want to go to that country And then looking at the average life of people in said countries and asking if people would like to swap. Right? If you go to the average person living in Nicaragua, they have zero cars, about 50% have motorcycles, the rest don't. They take public transportation or taxis, or they'll share taxis with friends. They don't have air conditioning, they don't have heating, they don't have a a bug-proof house, right most of their windows are open with no screens they have to worry about things getting robbed they can't leave anything valuable near the windows cuz people will reach in and take things out and listen I know cuz I've done business down there and I live there for a while and so you go to that person and you say hey in America you know this is what the average home looks like this is what we have this is what we do with our free time would you like to switch and if the answer is yes then you know where, where it's better off, right? if the average American would not swap with the average Nicaraguan, but the average Nicaraguan would swap with the average American, how can you sit here and tell me that they're happier with their lives and I understand that more goes into it, and I understand that there's there's an element of life in the u s that they don't realize, right, like dealing with debt and the the pressure of dealing with you know credit card debt and consumer expectations, and keeping up with the Joneses. But those are all choices. You don't you don't have to have those things to have the average American life. You might have less, a little bit lower standard. You might not live in a house that's quite as big. You might not have a vehicle that's quite as new, but you're still going to have air conditioning and heating in your home. You're still going to pretty much be guaranteed that you're not going to get wet when it rains, that your roof doesn't leak, but Now, I know that there are people out there who do have those problems, but for the most part, right, we have to speak in generalizations because when we speak, we speak generally. So that's it. I was just, uh, you know, I thought there's really no metric for measuring happiness. It's just, would you trade this for that? If the answer is yes, then you show which one you would rather have, right? It's like taking out your wallet and trading your dollars for something, right? You're willing to give your dollars up for whatever it is you're buying, so that tells us that that makes you happier, brings you utility, brings you joy, and I think the same thing can be looked at as far as immigration goes. And people who want to sit around and whine and moan and complain about how bad the U.S. is, go talk to anyone all over the world and ask them to trade places. Now, there are some places in you know Western Europe, specifically, that they don't care for Americans much, and you know they think we're fat and lazy, and most of us are. That's true, you know. So they they probably wouldn't switch switch with us, but they sure would like to have a washer and dryer. I guarantee you that, you know, they say they wouldn't like to have a giant refrigerator and three freezers outside full of food, but they probably would given the opportunity. I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe there's so much hatred for Americans that they don't want that. And that's fine too, right? You can't expect everyone to want to swap places, but I think that there's a large portion of the world that sees America and says, man, they've, they've got it better than anyone. And it bothers me that we fail to recognize that. It, it's upsetting that we don't look at how good we have it and appreciate it. We always think that, that something could be better. We could be more like Norway. We could all have electric cars. we got public transportation. Sit back. Look at how great it is. The reason we don't have public transportation in places like Texas, number one, is because it's spread out. And number two, because everyone can afford cars. They're cheap to own. They're cheap to operate. You have space to keep them. You don't have to pay for an area to park them. And so because of that, why would we choose to be crammed on a bus or a train when we could get in our own car, listen to our own radio stations, control the thermostat however we want it controlled? I know I kind of talk about this a lot, but it's important to me that we recognize how great things are here in America. That doesn't mean that they're not getting worse that doesn't mean that there aren't people out there that want to see it look more like Europe, and I cannot for the life of me figure out why that is. I cannot understand why we have the government, the president, posting on social media about how he's going to make things cheaper for families, how he how he's going to bring down the cost of fill in the blank. It's not the government's job to control the cost of anything, and I know that people don't like that. They don't understand how a free market can be more efficient than the government because all they want to think about is the price at the pump or the price in the store. You see, if businesses or entities need the government for survival, they're not necessary. They're not not adding value. They're not adding value beyond what we're paying, right? So let's just look at electric cars, for example. I think it's a great innovation. I think one day most cars will be electric, I think that they will end up being more efficient, but we're not quite there yet. But for whatever reason, the government has it out for oil companies. They want to see oil companies go broke. I don't know why. I think it's probably because the oil companies tend to support the Republican agenda. And so the type of people who want to see the oil industry die are the same types of people who want to see their opponents silenced. They don't, they don't want to give a voice to people who disagree with them. And so those two behaviors kind of correlate, right? If, I, if I'm the kind of person who thinks you shouldn't be able to say what I disagree with, I'm probably also the kind of person who would like to cut off any funding that helps you support your agenda, which is weak. It's weak if you ask me. But nonetheless, when we need things as consumers we will demand them and businesses will provide them to us at a price that we are willing to pay so right now i think the you know the government's subsidizing electric cars they're they're giving an advantage to electric cars because they don't like oil companies and you know may, maybe it is because they want to just save the earth and they say that the fossil fuels are destroying the environment i don't think so I don't think that's why. Maybe that's a it's a nice bonus. It's icing on the cake for them if they buy into that. But let's not forget that Al Gore said the world was going to end in 2013 because global warming. In the 70s, all the climate scientists said the world was going to freeze over. But it has, how soon we forget? We just we just forget that these people say these things and it's the topic of the day. And they've done such a good job invoking emotions into this argument that people will literally get mad when you talk about it. They'll become angry. It, it disheartens them. it has an effect on them. It's like it's like calling their child ugly or stupid and man, I don't know I don't know how they pulled it off, but they did it. They've, they've convinced people that this is something that you should get mad about when someone disagrees with you. I've got close friends that I can't even talk to. I can't talk to them about this because they get so upset. And then you end up agreeing to just never talk about it again because people cannot talk about varying topics. They can't, they can't talk about things that they disagree with you about because they get so emotional. And who's, who gets the credit or blame for that? The media, the social media. Okay, I'm doing a little spinoff. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to veer off that too far in that direction but my whole point is that whenever the time comes for us to switch to electric we will know it we won't have to rely on the government to subsidize it and there's no way that anyone will be able to convince me that if we don't do it now the world's going to end that if these people who are mostly politicians that are not scientists if they don't pump money into an industry to help them overtake internal combustion engines, the whole thing's going to collapse. That is not. You will not convince me of that because I have more faith in innovation. I have more faith in the free market. I have confidence that once oil becomes too expensive to produce because of its scarcity, we will then start looking for a replacement. And I think we already are. And, and maybe we don't ever run out of oil. Who knows? But there's some general consensus that it's a limited resource. And because of that, People are starting to figure out what we can do to replace it, but there's no need to try to hurry that along. When you do that, it just causes problems for everyone. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think we're about to see the backlash of misallocating resources to in, in, an in, in <laughs> like Joe Biden. We're misallocating resources in an inefficient means. We're we're giving money and resources to things that will not produce the results that we've, we've been getting over the course of time. So when that happens, you come up with a shortage. You, you, you take your money and you spend it in a way that didn't get you what it got before. Let me break it down. Let me try to give a little example here. Let's say that you're looking at electric plants and you can either pay 15 or 20% more for an electric plan that's green energy and it's wind and turbine, or wind and uh, solar, okay? Or you can pay 15% less, like you have been doing, for standard energy, which is probably natural gas. And you, each month when your bill comes, you, you, let's just say you decide to go with the green energy route. And the bill comes and it's 15 or 20% more. But your your wages didn't go up, right? The money that you made at work isn't any more than it's ever been. So now that extra 15% has got to come from somewhere. It's either got to be less groceries, less savings, less investment, less gifts. Whatever the case may be, the money has to come from somewhere. And if you're not careful, at the end of the month, you possibly can go backwards a little bit, right? Because if you don't change your lifestyle or if you don't change how much money you're saving and you spend 15% more on one of your budget items, you might end up going backwards. And I think that's what we're about to see. For the last 10 years, maybe not 10, maybe five to eight, we've convinced everyone to pump all this money into green energy. And I think it's now it's time to pay the piper, right? This is the equivalent of going by two or three years and and going a little bit backwards each month on our electric bill because it's 15% more. Eventually, we're, we're chipping into our savings each month until eventually it's gone. And I think we're getting real close to that and we'll see, you know, we're going to see who's right. It's hard. It's hard to put all your opinions out there and then sit back and wait to see if you're right or wrong, because you know, it's all, it's all on record. It's record and it's, it's out there for anyone to see and and call me out. But that's really what I feel like is going to happen. I think we're going to see the backlash of convincing all these investors to pump money into green energy all these car companies to pump money into their electric cars, and we're gonna get—we don't not gonna have anything in return. And this is what happens when you subsidize industries that don't need it.
0: Either she's homeless or she got problems. That's the only reason why she run to a black man.
1: Speaking of subsidies, if you hadn't seen or heard, my main man from Ukraine, Commandante Zelensky, the former actor, now president. Fearlessly leading the army. Oh, wait, no, he, he's not really leading. He's he's in the U.S. on a fundraising campaign. I just, we're, we're in a clown world, guys. We are in clown world right now. And people don't question things. They don't ask why. They don't ask where money's going. They just, they just take out their checkbooks and they want to give money to the Ukraine without realizing how corrupt it is over there. But let's talk about let's talk about Zelensky's fundraising campaign, right? They load him up in a jet, they send him over here, they dress him in some rags that looks like he just wandered off the battlefield, which I highly suspect a man hasn't seen a battlefield. But either way, he's playing the part, right? He's he's doing exactly what he said he was gonna do when they asked him, How will you be president? And he said, That's simple. I'll just act like I acted on the T V show. <laughs> And they're like, okay, that's great. So they put him in some stupid army-looking clothes. They send him over here. They put him up in front of Congress. He's begging for money, saying virtually, no, not even virtually. He says, when this money's gone, we're going to need more. He's already saying, we are going to need more money than what you agreed to give us before he's even gotten on the plane to go home. And I know a lot of people were saying like, well, if you're just upset by the clothes he was wearing, then you there's something wrong with you. You don't even have a heart. Let me just explain to you what's going on here, okay? Winston Churchill came over here back in the day, and he, he debriefed the White House about what's going on during the war. And so they've made the comparison to this guy Zelensky, this actor. They've tried to make the comparison to Winston Churchill, okay, which is insulting, if you ask me. But either way, they did. So then they dressed him up in the clothing that is similar to what Winston Churchill wore when he came over here. Look, don't believe me, all right? I just regurgitate things. Go do your own research, okay? Don't don't regurgitate what I regurgitate. Go look it up. Go look up what each of them wore, and then go find some articles where they compares Zelensky to Winston Churchill. It's This is all orchestrated. This is not by chance. They're doing whatever they're, they can do to help this guy look like he needs money, that he's a leader, and he's fearless, and he's defending against Russia, which, hey, don't get me wrong, you should be able to defend yourself against Russia. But either we're going to get involved in this war or we're not going to get involved because I don't approve of my hard-earned tax dollars and your hard-earned tax dollars being stuck in a suitcase and handed to this guy where he goes back to the Ukraine and does who knows what with it, right? Have we seen receipts? Have we seen a ledger showing what all they bought with the money? Have we seen any of that? Do we care or do we just trust that he's just taking billions of dollars over there and just doing the best he can do and doing the right thing? Maybe he is, but why should we trust him? Why should we trust him? Because he's at war? Because he's at war with Putin? Or maybe we should question him simply because Ukraine is one of the most corrupt countries on the face of the planet. And this is not a secret. This is not new. This is not an opinion. Question them. We should question everything they do, especially with our hard-earned money. And you know what? Hopefully they'll prove us wrong and they'll say, oh, yeah, we rebuilt this school. We bought these tanks. We bought these missiles. We used these, these missiles to take out this tank on this day. And, and maybe it'll all balance out, but it won't. I don't think it will. Let's not forget that Bo Jiren, the Presidente of the United States, got the, the, uh, the federal prosecuting attorney in Ukraine fired. He got him fired. You know Why? Because he was sniffing around Hunter Biden when Hunter Biden was on the board of an oil company that he knew nothing about. You know, this is what really makes me mad. Why don't they pull Hunter Biden and, and stick him on the stand and question him uh, all about this oil company that he supposedly contributed to the board for? You see, they won't even do that. They won't even drag him up there because both sides are in on this. This is not just a Democrat thing. This is a politician thing. But that would tell us a lot. You know, Joe Biden says Hunter's the smartest man he knows. Well, if that's the case, we ought to be able to put him up on a stand and ask him about how business works for Burisma, and he should know a lot. But he won't. You know why? Because he's just getting paid for doing nothing and supplying a connection to Joe Biden, supplying him information, helping him create policy that creates more money for the Ukraine and Burisma so that money can flow back to Joe Biden. And another thing and then I'm going to leave this rant, is that it's okay to criticize corruption and still feel bad for the families that are displaced. It's okay to say, hey, you guys are taking this money and squandering it. It's money that we've worked hard for, or that you've printed, and we're going to suffer the consequences of inflation. But either way, it's okay to say, don't squander our money, and yes, we feel bad for families. But I feel like the family part, that's charity, right? That's, that's something that if you find it on your heart to help displaced families from Ukraine, you can create a charity and get them money. And you can show them that you're doing good things. But to suggest that because you're criticizing them of corruption, that you don't care about displaced families is just silly. It's absolute nonsense. I mean... Has it ever happened? Have we ever been this involved in a war that we're not involved in? Have we ever made it a public spectacle? Have we? Listen, the guy took a Ukraine flag out that was signed by a bunch of their military members and presented it to Pelothi and Kamala in the chambers, the house chambers. Why? What is the point of this? It's a spectacle. This is a show. This is fundraising. This is raising money, okay? This is to plan your emotions. This wasn't his idea. He was instructed to do this, just like the clothes. We have to question these things, even if we're wrong. Maybe I'm just a conspiracy theorist, but if I were right, would you be surprised? Would you be surprised if they were pocketing money from this? No, I, I don't think you would. And if the answer is no, you wouldn't be surprised. Then let's Look into it. You cannot stop, Brandon. You can only hope to contain him. That's right. That's right. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I'm kind of glad that phrase is finally wearing off. (laughs) Finally. I cannot tell you how old it got. People walking up to me going, let's go, Brandon. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. And I would say, yep, mm-hmm, yep, yep, let's go. We're still going. We are still going, Brandon. And don't nobody want their child to be sick. And don't nobody want to take that virus to their house. Speaking of COVID, I got something quick to talk about. It won't, be, it won't be too long, I don't think. I know we're all kind of COVIDed out. But I wanted to talk about China and what they're doing. And I'm sure you've heard they're welding people into apartments. They're making them stay home. They're having lockdowns. Did I already talk about this last week? I don't know. If I did, you can just fast forward. But this confirms what I was saying all along about how if you stop people from moving about, you will then stop the spread of COVID. But eventually, once people move about, COVID will spread. And you will follow the exact same cycle that you would have followed two years ago. The only difference is now they've been locked down for two years (laughs) they've been cooped up in their apartment, staying safe, going hungry, giving away their pets, hoping people would bring them food in the name of staying safe. And now when they finally, like, they they peek their heads out and look around, like, okay, it's safe. Okay, let's start moving around. And they start moving around, and what happens? The virus runs its course. It does the exact same thing it would have done two years ago, almost three years ago now. And if you'll go back and listen to some of my COVID ranting from 2020, I said this exact thing. You know, it's not about flattening the curve, it's about getting through the curve as fast as possible without overrunning the hospitals. So, what do I know? I'm just a construction worker, okay? I don't know anything about COVID. My knuckles drag. I can barely work an iPhone. But that's just my opinion, you know? Everyone just ran around going, we
0: have to do something, we have to do something, we have to do something,
1: but they would refuse to let the virus run its course. Oh, infuriating, and see now here we ha- we have China, we can see what's happening, we can see what happens when you flatten the curve for three years, and nothing will change when this happens again. nothing will change we We will go through the exact same arguments you hate old people. You hate freedom, you know, back and forth. You can't tell me what to do. Yes, we can tell you what to do in the name of public health and safety. It's like we learn nothing. We refuse to look at statistics. We don't model anything after any other countries. I read um, a snippet the other day, which I don't know if it's true. Okay, could be fake news, could be fake. But it said that the countries that didn't have access to vaccines fared just as well as the countries that had these quote-unquote vaccines. I don't know. I, it, it seemed to come a, from a reliable source. It would make sense to me, right? It, it would be just as logical to me, let's just say that, because poorer countries, they have more sickness. They have stronger immune systems. They don't have as clean of life's, lifestyles. And I think that's all it really boiled down to. How strong is your immune system? That will dictate whether or not you make it through COVID. If you're fat and you sit inside all day and you don't get sunlight and you don't breathe in dirty air with particles of dust and allergens and you're looking at a computer screen all day, you're probably not going to make it. If you're older and your immune system's worn down, which is what happens when you get older, you're going to have a hard time making it. But these other countries that don't have the luxury to sit inside and play video games all day that they're outside working, they're in the sun, they're sweating, they're eating foods that are healthy for them, they made it just fine. And I really wish people would look at all these statistics and, and someone would come up with a, an actual data-based summary. But even if you do that, it's become such a religion that the people who were anti-anti-maskers and anti-anti-vaxxers they wouldn't hear it. They wouldn't want anything to do with it. Because they're so tied emotionally to the way things went with the masking and the vaccine and the staying home that they're not they're not looking for a solution. They don't want to they don't wanna figure out what we could have done better. And that's it. That's all I'm gonna say about COVID today. That's it. It was short short COVID rant. You get the idea.
0: It's a baby out here in the middle of the road, bruh. I never seen no shit like this, bruh. We on a Fitzgerald Highway, my nigga. We on a Fitzgerald Highway, bruh. It's a baby out here, bruh. On everything.
1: In the okay. middle of the road.
0: Hey, I ain't going nowhere. I'm still going to be right back in the streets. You dig? Because I'm innocent. I don't care what nobody got to say.
1: All right. For my last and final, which I know is redundant, trick, I'm going to talk about racism, the R word, the word that we're not supposed to talk about. He's talking about racism. Harold, Harold, he's talking about racism again. Turn that thing off. We don't want to hear about it. I am. I'm going to talk about racism a little bit, not a lot of bit, just a little bit. One of the biggest problems that I have with people running around and accusing people of being racist is that you can't know a man's heart. You don't know how they feel. You don't know what they want, what they don't want from people. You don't know what they expect. You don't know any of that, right? Let me just give you an example. Let's just say that I owned a restaurant and all of my kitchen employees were Mexican, not Hispanic. They were Mexican. They're from Mexico. And let's just say that most of them couldn't really speak all that great of English. And, but I liked them because they worked hard and they did their job. So they work in the kitchen. And let's just say that all my wait staff are American. They're Texan people, right? And let's say that I live in a city where most of my customers are American or Texan. There are inevitably people out there that would say,
0: You're so racist. You put all the Mexican people in the kitchen and you let the white people be the wait staff.
1: Okay. Let's break that down a little bit. Let's dig in deep, Okay. Let's, let's flip that around. Let's just say that I woke up one morning and I said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to replace all my kitchen staff with new people and I replaced all of the Mexican staff with Americans. Okay. Then, then what would be the accusation? Well, you're racist. You don't have any Hispanic people in your kitchen or you're racist you have all your Hispanic people waiting on the white people. All they do is take their orders and bring them food. That's racist. Do you see how it can be flipped both ways? So there's no, there's no argument against not being racist because they can flip it both ways. And, and on top of there not being an argument based on where the staff works, people are also discounting that employers will put the most valuable people where they need to go in order to make the most sense for the business. And I don't care. I know there's people out there who think,
0: Well, that's just because they're greedy business owners.
1: And probably the people who say that have never owned a business because most small businesses struggle to stay in business. So, if we can all agree that a business owner will put the people in place that make the company the most money, then it makes sense because perhaps Mexicans are better in the kitchen. They would prefer to be there. They work harder. They work faster. If we're all being honest, they, they're more efficient. They're better at these things, right? They would rather not be dealing with the people in the dining room that speak a different language. And as a restaurant owner... I would rather have people face-to-face with my customers who are most like them. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think that it's unreasonable to think that if if I had a restaurant and it was in a black neighborhood and all black people ate there, that I would have black people waiting on them. Because there are cultural differences between all of us. Whether we like to admit it or not, there's cultural differences that exist between cultures. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that all black people behave different or all white people are different. I'm just saying, generally, there are things that are different. And that's a good thing. It's good that we have different cultures. It's good. It helps make the American culture is a combination of a bunch of different cultures. And as long as we maintain those different cultures, then the American culture stays what it is. Or maybe it changes a little bit based on the the population changes of those cultures. And that's that's what America was built on. That is a great thing. Let's just say that I had a, a, a punk rock heavy metal bar, right? A place where you go to, you listen to heavy metal bands, and you drink beer, and you rock out, and it gets wild, right? Who, who's going to be your staff? Your staff's going to be people that also enjoy that type of music, that also enjoy that environment, that also have the same type of hair, and the same piercings, and the same places, and the same tattoos, Right? So there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with one, choosing the best employees to fulfill the job the best, and two, putting people to deal with your customers that are most like your customers. And I say this because at the brewery, we've been criticized before for not having any quote unquote, and this is what the person said who left the review brown people behind the bar. Well, I'm sorry, when I interview people, I don't think about what color is this person's skin. I don't think about that, right? I think about, is this person most like my customers? And if the answer is yes, and they are able to do the job at the level we need them to, then they get hired. And if they come and they would rather work in the kitchen, and they happen to be Mexican, then they work in the kitchen. That doesn't mean that we don't have no white people, that we refuse white people in the kitchen, doesn't mean that we refuse Mexican people behind the bar. It just means that things end up that way and it's not because we're more concerned with skin color. It's because we want the best person for the best job. I still I'm still going to make a shirt. One of these days I'm going to make a shirt. Profits and the greater san, greater than sign racism. And I think that's true. Business owners will put profits over race. I don't know And I've never met a business owner who would pass on a qualified candidate because of the color of their skin. That's not the determining factor. They will pass on a candidate because it's not the right person for the right job or there's someone that's better. But they would never say, well, you know what? I'll take a less qualified person as long as they're white. No, that doesn't happen. I can guarantee you if it does happen, the business will not be around for a long time. Because they're choosing, they're choosing to sacrifice efficiency and profits in the name of something that's not going to help their business. He couldn't have done it without you. There you go, Joe Biden whispering his face off. I wrote the bill. That's the only. I don't want to hear any more about you. Don't like looking at him. Why? Why does he whisper so much? Why does he whisper? You you, you got the vaccination? Yeah. Are, are, are you okay? I mean, you see, no, it works. Or you, you know, or, 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 or the mom and dad, or or, or 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 the neighbor, or when you go to church, or when you're, you, are know, no, I, I I really mean it. There are trusted interlocutors. Think of the people. If if your kid wanted to find out whether or not there were there's a man on the moon, or whatever you know something, or you know whether those aliens are here or not. You know, who are the people they talk to beyond the kids who love talking about it? I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. You ain't black, according to Joe Biden. Joe Biden knows. He knows about black people. I promise you that. All right. I think that's going to wrap up today's show. I hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas or a Happy Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever it is you celebrate. I hope it was great. I had a great Christmas with the family. We all met in Fredericksburg, Texas and ate copious amounts of food, and drank copious amounts of drinks, and it was good. It was good to see everyone and get away, and I'm back in the grind. Drove home, got everything in order, doing the podcast, about to edit the podcast, get more things in order, and start on the treadmill again tomorrow. So once again, I appreciate you tuning in Life in Paradise podcast with me, your host, you guessed it, Brandon Harper. I encourage everyone to go out there, work your ass off this week, unless you're retired, then work some crossword puzzles, but be productive nonetheless. Always question everything, no matter what. Just ask questions. Spend some valuable time with your dog. Teach your kids about money. Take up a new hobby. And most of all, never, ever, ever vote for Joe Biden again.